We are the men who. I, I think what I'd probably say is don't concentrate too much about what other people think and what other people are doing. Because that's something that I did a lot, especially in my kind of earlier age. I cared too much about what people thought of me. And now I've realised that unless it's kind of close friends, family, whatever, um, then why does it matter what people what people care about you? And and that's something that I dwelled on a lot in, in my early years. And I, th I think that would be the advice I give to myself is that work, work on yourself and, and kind of don't focus on, on others around you who, who are not going to have an impact on your life. Welcome to The Men Who Talk, the men's mental well-being podcast brought to you by The Men Who. The Men Who is a men's collective for actively maintaining positive mental well-being. With The Men Who, men have the opportunity to talk, listen, support, care for, and help themselves and each other build meaningful connections in person, online, and together. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. Join us on this lifelong journey. We are the men who, and welcome to the men who talk. Craig, my old friend, a very, very warm welcome to the Men Who Talk podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thank you very much, John. First podcast. First ever podcast. First ever podcast. In a world where everyone has a podcast, this is my first. So really? we'll see how this goes. You're not being invited on like Joe Rogan and stuff by now? Uh, I've kind of turned quite a few things down. Uh -huh. um, so I just want to focus on, on this. Um, mate, it's awesome to have you here. It's um, we've, we've kind of talked for a wee while about uh, the, this topic of conversation, but not really got into too much depth. Um, so I'm excited to, to explore it with you today. And as we'll find out throughout it, you know, when we introduce you and throughout the conversation, you and I have quite a shared journey over the past over 30 years, which sounds mad. Jeez, yeah. It's almost 30 years that we've known each other, so it'll be really interesting to kind of explore that journey together, um, kind of understand how the, the mental well-being or mental health um, aspect fits into that, but also, I think, go right back to the beginning when we first met and, and look at how um, how our school days influenced um, our, our mental well-being understanding and, and the men we've kind of grown up into today. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Jeez. When yep. did we leave? How long ago was that now? 2006. So, what's that? Quick math. Yeah. 15 years, 16 years. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But, but, I mean, the fact that we've known each other for 30 years. Yeah. We've had our ups and downs. <laughs> we have. <laughs> yeah. Ups and downs, but we're still here. Uh, no, mate, it's awesome to have you on. Look, we're going to get into all this. But, um, but Craig, why don't you, um, can I call you Craig or Basmo? Is it Basmo still relevant? Oh, yeah. I was trying to get away from that, to be honest with you. I'm trying to be a bit more professional, but everyone is stuck. So everyone still calls me Basmo. Call you Basmo. Um, so you can call me Basmo. All right. Well, you can call I'll... me whatever you want to call me, John. <laughs> I'll dip in and out of the conversation. I won't go to the third nickname that we had for you. Yeah, school. probably not. Yeah, that's I left that behind. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll leave that one in the, in the dust. Um, look, mate, it's, as I say, it's brilliant to have you on. Really looking forward to this conversation, which, um, as I say, we're going to look at the business aspect of things, a journey that we kind of share, but also the schooling aspect of things. Um, but before we get into this, um, can you bring to life, you know, who, who are you for the audience? What's your, what's your story? Yeah, so I mean, my professional background—it's uh, I've I've always been in in client-facing roles. So that started off back in the kind of recruitment days. Um, loved it, loved dealing with with clients, meeting people face to face. And it was something that I learned very early on that I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed meeting people. I enjoyed building relationships. Um, and, and kind of helping people out initially in the recruitment side in their professional journey. Um. 
kind of quickly and a quite easy transition for me was to move into into property um, because it, it's similar in quite a few ways. Um, so I joined a company in Edinburgh. Um, it was the property management side initially. Um, worked, worked there for, for quite a few years. Um, and, and that's kind of where I found that I've got a passion for property and it's, it's something that I, I do enjoy. So yeah, as I say, worked worked in the property management side for for a while, um, and then I kind of got to the stage where I, I felt that there was probably something else that that was missing. I was probably a little bit bored of Edinburgh at the time, um, and wanted to get away. So, me and uh, my my now wife, um, we moved to to Dubai. So the fast paced property industry that is there, and uh, it it was great. It was great to be honest with you. It was something that was completely different from what I was used to. It's uh, it's, it's it's one of those places where it's very very competitive environment and I, I learned a lot I learned a lot there and it's um I mean you're you're competing with other companies but also the guys who are sat at the desk next to you so I mean that that's kind of one of probably one of the points in my life where it changed me a lot mentally and physically and by physically I put on about two stone <laughs> uh just drinking eating takeaways brunches what was that the famous brunches yeah oh, the brunches it was just oh it was crazy so i we, we were there for about two years um and i came back it was it was something that i think coming back to edinburgh it made us appreciate it a lot more it's a place where as i say i was bored of it before i think and came back and i just appreciate it so much more yeah it's it's such a great place and it offers so much um We've just moved to to Ben Ali and it's great. Got the dog up in the Pentlands. It's it's a, it's, it's lovely to be back. Um, so joined a firm um, doing property sales. Um, we're there for a couple of years, and I, I probably got to the point where I was kind of tired of working for someone else, um, and I wanted to go out there, work my own hours, and and set something up. So Revere launched start of twenty twenty one, and it's been it's been going great since. Been great, so. Yeah, it's been brilliant to follow your journey, and <clears throat> like I alluded to a minute ago, you and I have had similar paths. So, albeit we've we've lived in different places and we've fo- followed different careers, the um, the general kind of layout, I suppose, since since we left school has been quite similar. So, you know, you went to Dubai, I went to London for very similar reasons. I Edinburgh became too familiar for me, mm. even though when I came back from from uni in Aberdeen, I thought um, I'd be here forever, but I I came back for six months and had those exact same feelings, um, and and going going away somewhere else was was formative it completely changes you i wonder do you how do you look back at your time in dubai does it feel like a lifetime ago or does it feel still quite relevant to what you're doing today it it doesn't it doesn't it, it in terms of my development it was the best thing i've ever done hands down it was being thrown straight into the deep end a place that i wasn't familiar with really outside my comfort zone um and it, it was a place i mean look we were we were commission only so it was uh, eat what you kill. Wow. It was eat what you kill environment. And going from the kind of property management side into that was, it was a real shock to the system. And I think that's a good thing. That's, that's something that kind of keeps you on your toes. The, the working hours were ridiculous. You're working seven, six, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, you miss a, miss a call, for example, or miss an email from a potential client and they just go into the next person. Really? So it's, it's one of those things where you're constantly on top of it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good. I was surrounded by a, a really good bunch of people at the company um, and the mentoring was, was brilliant as well. But it's one of these things where you have to learn very, very quickly. 
um, because it'll just kind of spit you out. Mm-hmm. It'll eat up and spit you out. Um, so I think from from my point of view, it was one of the best learning experiences that I've had yeah. in my life. Yeah. And, and that's kind of something that's geared me up to, uh, you're essentially out there, you're essentially self-employed. Um, and, and that's kind of geared me up to do what I'm doing now. I've, I've learned a lot from that. And there's, there's, there's many aspects which I've taken from my experience in Dubai and brought it into setting up Revere. Obviously not all of them because it's, it's a very Americanized system there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think it would all work well within, within the Edinburgh market. Um, but there are certain pinpoints which, which, which do work. Um, but yeah, I think that it changed me a lot as a person. I became very competitive. Um, which which I brought back, um, and and that can be a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you, and the competitiveness because you just don't want to, you just don't want to lose. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. So in that in that kind of short summary of who you are and what your experience has been professionally and developmentally over the last few years, there's so much to unpack already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I want to dive straight in, and but I promise you we will before we before we kind of come into that and 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 how you I suppose dealt with that environment at the time and how it's influenced you going forward. If we just think about sort of the, the well-being aspect, because what you've described there, I think, will leave quite a lot of people in cold sweats. Mightly, it kind of over. I'm sitting here thinking, my goodness, that sounds like a pretty cutthroat environment, and I'm not sure that's something I'd want to go into again. Even though I have experienced it to a degree in the past, but just before we get into the the detail there, and thinking about well-being, mental well-being, which is the, the focus of this podcast, looking at your experiences then pre-Dubai, even kind of going back to school and, and comparing them to today, what what is what does mental well-being as a concept, as a phrase, mean to you as as a man? Yeah, so it's it, it's a it's a difficult one. I kind of think that I've I've put in steps to make sure that I'm I'm the best person that I can be on a, on a daily basis. And look, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling it. Everyone has those days. Um, so kind of when mental well-being for me. Um, is is more kind of focused on the steps I take to make sure that I'm feeling the best that I possibly can, both kind of mentally and and physically. Um, ab- about a year and a half ago, kind of start COVID. As I say, I, I was I felt a bit grim, you know, like put on a bit of weight, um, and just not feeling not feeling too great about myself. So I reached out to a, a guy that I've known him for years, a guy Matt Peacock, um. And it was initially for me to shift a bit of timber. I wanted to kind of feel good again, focus on on my kind of physique, and 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 I mean, essentially feeling the best that I can. Um, and it, it was great. It worked really well. He gave me kind of nutrition um, workouts, but a, a big part of it was actually the mindset side. And and what I found was that my day was completely set up wrong. I was rolling out of my bed eight o'clock, eight thirty grabbing a shower, going into work, and that was that was the start of my day. Um so what what we've focused on together is and, and what's been so important for me is is that morning routine. And it and it sets you up so well for the day. It's I'll I'll get up early now. I'm a, I'm an early riser. I'm in bed by about half nine ten. Oh, nice. So I'm missing all Love Island and everything like that, which is a <laughs> I just get on catch up. So you watch it in the morning. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, part yeah. of the routine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll so I'll get up early, spend a bit of time t- to myself and just kind of have my breakfast and and kind of plan out and, and map the day ahead. I'll deal with all the, the, the shitty emails that I don't want to deal with as well at that at that point. But um and and then kind of have a proper workout. Really kind of spread out because that's something that works for me. If I if I get up early, I, I I do everything I need to do, have a have a proper blowout at the gym, 
And that's me set up nicely for the day. And that's something that I've worked on. And, and it has had a massive impact on me mentally, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, what, what do you see and what, what do you think's changed in your mental outlook? How do you think, in a practical day-to-day sense, it's, it's re- refocused your outlook on life? Well, I think it's something that I didn't actually know before. I thought that kind of me getting up at 8.30 in the morning, having a shower and going to bed, and I, I, and I probably felt like that was me normal at the time. I, di- I didn't really understand that if, if I'm putting these little steps into place, that I can just feel so much better. I've got, I, I feel more kind of awake in the morning. I feel, I feel more aware um, and, and generally kind of more positive yeah. about the day. Um, but, but back before I kind of, I was in this routine, I probably didn't know. It was probably something I just felt like this is just this is me feeling normal. But now now that I've done that, it's made a massive impact on on my life. And yeah, the kind of the physical side is it's great, it's brilliant. But kind of more focusing on that on that mental side, um, it's just made me. I mean, energy levels have gone through the roof for yeah, me. Yeah, it's 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 huge. I didn't have this energy before. I feel younger now than I did three four years ago. Yeah. Well, like I said at the start, you look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just you being polite, John. Uh, you're a guest. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's two things you've touched on there which I find absolutely fascinating and we'll unpick these over the course of the conversation. The first one is to do with awareness, right? And isn't it amazing that we can get to our early 30s and only now we're finding out that actually there's a better way to live? <laughs> Massively. Massively. And, I, and I, wish, I wish that I did this 10 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. It, I just find that astonishing that I, I, in, in one sense, I find it astonishing that no one tells you, no one teaches you this earlier on. And we'll come on to that when we talk about um, the, the, the kind of school and the upbringing side of mental well-being. But then on another side, I don't find it that astonishing because I'm, I, I'm going through something very similar to you. I'm almost, would, would I call that an awakening? Would I call that an enlightenment? In a, in a light sense, yes. Um, I'm going through a process now where I'm realizing that there are things you can do in your everyday which will have a massive impact on your mental well-being, your physical well-being, your energy levels. And I think, isn't it great when you start to realize that you're on that journey oh. and you realize that actually you're, you're nowhere near the end of it as well? That, that's the thing. And there's, there's always things that you can be kind of adding in. And it's, it's been a bit of kind of trial and error, to be honest with you. There's some things that I've tried that didn't work. And, and understandably, different things work for different people. But I think it's kind of about making that effort and finding out what works for you and what makes you feel better on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of fine-tuning that. And as I say, the, the energy levels which I have now and the kind of concentration levels, like I'll, I'll, I'll send a, a weekly update to, to, to Matt and it's uh, every single day I'll have to put down what my energy levels were, what my concentration le- levels were mm-hmm. out between 1 and 10. Yeah, um, and we'll look at days if we're scored a three or four, and we're like, right, okay, what can we do about this? How can we how can we improve on that? What did you do differently on that day? Um, but but you're right. I mean, it's something that it's about kind of finding what works for you, and this is something that works for me. I mean, there might be people who are just not not warning people at all, and that's that's completely fair enough. Um, but it's kind of about what you can do to Im- improve yourself on that yeah. on that daily basis. I think you're absolutely spot on. We've all got you know slightly different engines in there, and they all respond to different things. At the moment, I'm so um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, who has the Feel Good Live More podcast. I don't know if you're aware of it, but so he's um, huge into the the connection between physical and mental well being or health, um, and, and how they're they're interlinked. Whereby in society today, we've kind of got this to this point with a view that they are separate right which mm. when you think and when you sit and think about it you just there's no way that can be the case they're intrinsically linked 
but um but he has this concept core happiness um and it's as i understand it it's basic the basis of it is there are little things, really simple things we can do in our lives that give us innate happiness, right? Things, and that's not—that's a different happiness that we might get from sitting scrolling through Instagram or playing Xbox or watching Love Island, you know, for example. <laughs> um, but but we've been trained as a society to reach out to these, what he calls junk happiness things, junk happiness habits, to try and fulfill ourselves. So I took on a little challenge and I said, right, what can I do to what what do I think will contribute to my core happiness? So three weeks ago, I set up this challenge for a month. Five things I'll try and do every single day. So um, go for a walk or a run for 30 minutes. Have, have one coffee a day. Have a cold shower in the morning. Um, meditate for 10 minutes and read for 15 minutes. And the days on which I achieve all of them, coming back to your scores or your levels, I feel through the roof, especially if I can achieve them in the morning, which is hard with two kids, by the way, but I try. <laughs> um, the days I don't achieve even one of them, I can feel my levels drop. Yeah, I can feel my energy go out. I can feel my motivation, and thank God. And I don't think that's because I'm not getting the dopamine hit of achieving a list. I genuinely think these things are contributing to my inner happiness. So fully get what you're saying. Yeah, and it's. I think from my point of view, it's been held accountable as well. So I, I'll feel like I've let I've let my my online coach down if I've if I've not ticked all the boxes, and and that's something that I, I think. Well, personally, I need to have that. Yeah, because it could just be a downward spiral if, if if that wasn't the case. But it's it's really important that you know that about yourself. Yeah, How, would you have been able to say that about yourself five years ago? No, 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 not at all. Um, and yeah, it's as I say, I think that putting these steps into place and and finding out what steps work and, and don't work for you, it, it could have a massive impact on on, on your life. And yeah. it's it's just about finding the, the right. The right steps, the right, the right formula, and it is a process, isn't it? I'm, I'm genuinely really excited to think that, you know, guys like us, um, are probably only at the start of this journey. I, I want it to last until the day that I, I die, you know, whether that's in a year or whether it's in sixty years. I want to keep fine tuning, as you say, what that formula is for me that keeps getting better. And I know it'll probably change with age because I will change as a, a human. You will change as a human. You'll respond to different things. But isn't that exciting to think that, in theory? could potentially only get better yeah yeah and it's just kind of finding the right things and i know from from my point of view it's 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 sometimes very difficult to to turn off doing kind of setting up a company is stressful and it's, it's one of the things you're thinking about the whole time so also finding things that can take your mind away from from that world um for me it's just playing golf badly <laughs> that's what that's what i like doing hey you're not that bad oh i'm better than you but that's not saying much <laughs> It's, uh, but that that kind of works. I, I I quite like going to the gym in the morning, and it's it's a, it's an hour of my life where that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah. And you're completely you're taking yourself away from that world. And I think that's that that's that's also really important. That because it can it can just play, completely play with your mind if that's what you're thinking on that one thing the whole time. Um. So I, I think it's important to kind of find something that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um. And and just turning off. For an hour, two hours, three hours in the golf course, you know? Yeah. yeah. I am going to come back to the second thing that caught me about what you said a few minutes ago. But just before I do, on the topic of turning off, what impact has bringing a dog into your life had on you? Oh, huge. Huge. It's um, it's my probably first bit of responsibility that I've (laughs) ever had. I mean, I had a hamster 
at one point. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Difficult to take for a walk in the pen. Then. Well, yeah. I mean, you get some weird looks, but I mean, it's. it's I don't fine. think they were talking about the hamster. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I know I know Goose picked up it in your previous podcast, getting a dog, and we've always been a, a dog family, and it's just been one of the best things ever. Yeah. It's um, it, it's just it's great getting up, and it's you come home after a pretty pretty bad day um or a good day but you come back and no matter what what day you face you've just you're greeted by a happy a happy guy with a waggy tail yeah um and it's great it's it's we we enjoy we do a lot more now in terms i mean i wouldn't be up at 5 30 in the morning walking the dog in the winter normally yeah um but i'm getting dragged out yeah you have to and it's uh and you feel good afterwards um and and as I say, it's a bit of responsibility as well. I mean, I, you've got two kids. It's uh, probably a bit different. Two happy guys with waggy tails. Well, exactly. <laughs> most of the exactly. time. Yeah, most of the time. Um, so you probably can't, I always say to to um, to parents that it's just the same having a dog as kids. Yeah, and, and I always I, hear that. Yeah. I'm keep my mouth shut. <laughs> it may be harder having a dog, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, no, but it's, um, no, it's been great. And it's, it's, it's had a, a big positive impact on, on, on our lives. Um, and uh, I mean, it's, it's stressful sometimes. He goes out his way just to be annoying, but it's what we signed up to. So it is what you signed up to, and he's absolutely beautiful. He is. What's his name? Otis. Otis. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was worth picking up on that because, as you've said with Goose, and I know from a few others, it will resonate with a lot of people who listen. Yeah. Um, particularly over the last two years, and a lot of people did get dogs or pets, and it, it was a massive help for them. Yeah, it is, and it's. Um, I, th- I think it's probably changed a lot of people's outlook on on life as well, and it's. I mean. I, I think I don't know how many people got dogs over lockdown, but I think it's well, it's every second person I meet, um, and it's it's probably quite a comforting thing, and and so it's having that that additional part of your life in your family that it makes a, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. The second thing I did want to come back to, um, when you talked about what m- mental well being means for you, is <clears throat> suppose I think about it as the trigger, right? So you mentioned you told us a story about you initially. Wanted to shift a bit of timber, lose a bit of weight, get into shape. Um, but that quickly evolved for you into enhancing your well-being generally. So moving into your mental well-being as well as your physical. And I think this is huge for people because a, a lot of people find the same that there, there's a trigger in their life that they think um, they're pursuing to address one issue, but it actually leads to improvement in other areas. I'll give you an example for me, and I have to give huge credit from, to my pal Dan um, who I lived with for a while in London and he's now in Australia but um, I was when I was working in London my raison d'etre my focus everything was on my work my career that's why I'd gone down there and I really you know I had tunnel vision and as a consequence um, my physical health suffered pretty badly um, and unbeknownst at the time my mental health was suffering I just wasn't aware of it to come back to that piece but anyway Dan um, pretty fit, fit guy into his exercise into his running we were having some beers one Friday night and he was like, do you want to go for a run in the park this mor- uh, tomorrow morning, Saturday morning? And I thought, yeah, fine, we can do that. Um, but what he didn't tell me was it was a park run, right? So you know park run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, for those that aren't aware of park run, it's a, a big series of organized 5K runs in parks across the UK. Anyway, so I turn up with Dan the next morning at um, a park in Fulham. And there's all these people there, and I'm like, Dan, what the hell is this? <laughs> Just like some running cult. Anyway, t- turns out it's a park run. So he and I do a 5K, do it in about 30 minutes. Um, you know, way slow for him, but for me, it's it's fine. And I I got to the end of that race, and I was buzzing, so I had that runner's high. And I, I got home from that, and I thought that was brilliant. Um, but 
I'm not sure it's for me. And I made myself a deal. So I made it, I made this accountable for me. And I said, if I do 25K in the next month, I'll buy myself a pair of running headphones, see if that motivates me. And I did. I did another 20K. So that was my 25K. I went and bought the headphones. Five, six years later, I checked this on my Nike running app this morning. I'm about to hit 3,000K. Wow. Yeah. 3,000 kilometers of running. And I will tell you right now, that is not because, that is not entirely because I love running. And it's not entirely because my waistline has shrunk. <laughs> and it has, thankfully. <laughs> um, it's because of the mental health benefits that that generates for me. Mm-hmm. Whilst I'm running, um, but also in my day. And yeah. I just feel a million times better. And honestly, my the, the, the core part of motivation for me getting to that 3,000 kilometers and however many more I do is because I know the impact it has on me mentally. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a sense of achievement as well, right? It's, um, I mean, I... I hate running. It's, I'm not going to lie. It's um, <laughs> I hate running, and it's um, but it's what works. It's what works for you. You obviously enjoy it, and by rewarding yourself as well with the with the headphones or running shoes, that's that's a huge thing as well. I I always I always say if I'm not feeling up for the gym or if it's been a week and I've I'm just not feeling it, there's no motivation there. Then I'll look at buying a new gym top, something like that. Yeah. Something that it's just something different and something that I can go out there and I can wear that. Um, and it's just it's these small things it's it's rewarding yourself on, on what you've done and three thousand three thousand kilometers was well, it i'm at two thousand eight hundred and fifty or something well wow. so i mean it's amazing and that yeah. and genuinely if you look back to what the initial goal was 25 yeah k um it's astonishing but but what is more important for me than the numbers is is understanding why i've been able to reach that level yeah yeah and it's and how do how could you feel Chalk and cheese. Yeah. I, I'm a completely different man. And it's interesting. Earlier on, I asked you if um, you looked at your time in Dubai as a different life. I look a lot of, I look at a lot of my time in London as a different life because I'm a completely different individual physically, mentally, yeah. um, with my outlook on life, my personality. I've been through an immense change in the last, particularly four years. Yeah. Um, that was triggered by a period of, of difficult mental health. But mm-hmm. um but also because I've been on this running journey as well and, and that the, the impact that's had. Again, again, coming back to Rangan Chatterjee's theory of the body and the mind being intrinsically linked, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been on this journey if I hadn't started running. Yeah, I probably would have been stuck in my ways and unaware, unenlightened that there was a better way out there. Yeah, and I think the, the thing, as you say, you're not aware of it at the time, are you? You're not, you're not aware of how you're feeling and how you can actually improve that and, yeah. and feel 100 times better. Yeah, you're just chucking Pretamonges down your throat and getting back to work. Oh, God, Nando's as well. Right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nando's. Oh, only a treat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant, mate. Look, let's, let's dive into the story with Revere. So it's, it's your business you set up. Um, it, it's a pandemic business, to be fair, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it kind of came out of that, whether that was influenced your timing or not. Um, just give us, give us a little background on what it is Revere does but more importantly than that um you you're, again come back to your motivations for starting up a business yeah I, and I think it was it was always the plan of mine um to to set up eventually um and it, it might not have been the case if, if I didn't go to Dubai if I didn't I, I feel like uh, I gained a lot of entrepreneurial experience from from Dubai um so that that probably helped a lot and what what I learned very quickly after coming back to Edinburgh is that I, I don't really want to work for someone else. Um, I want to work my own hours. I want to kind of get that work-life balance as well. I think that's that's something that's really important for me. Um, but I, I, I gained good experience from working in the, in the firm in Edinburgh. Um, so we, we, set, we set up start of last year. Um, 
myself and my colleague Ellie. Ellie's been there from the start. And um, we want to kind of offer a bit more of a personal experience when it comes to selling your, your home in Edinburgh. Um, like I said earlier, that, that there's, been, there's been quite a few kind of things that I've brought back from the Dubai property industry that I've implemented here. Um, and, and it's worked really well. It's been, it's been an absolute roller coaster since we launched. It feels like we've been running for about 10 years, not, yeah. not one and a half. Yeah, you look it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, but that's um, it's kind of what I signed up to, and it's it's a real passion of mine, and it's something that that I that I enjoy, and the fact that it's it's my own makes it makes it even better. Yeah, I think it's brilliant to see people go out and follow their dreams like this, but also be able to acknowledge the experience they've had, and how that's contributed to your decision making or the way you've started up. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, starting up a business in a pandemic is no easy thing. Mm-hmm. Um. You, I'm sure you probably wouldn't have done that if you had the choice. I mean, I went out up and set up in January 2020, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time, well, whatever storm comes my way, I'm sure I can weather it for a while. Little yeah. did I know that the world would shut down yeah. for the best part of two years. Um, how do you look back and summarize that first year, 18 months? Um, amazing. Uh, as I say, it's it's ups and downs um and you'll have days where i'm absolutely flying and days where i'm struggling yeah um i think the thing that i've learned the most is that how how do i deal with those days when when i'm struggling and it comes back to the morning routine it comes back to taking those baby steps maybe taking a step back as well looking at the situation and saying okay what can i do here what is within my control and not what's not within my control because what what I've learned in the past year is that if if there's nothing you can do about it, then don't stress. Yeah, because it's completely out with your control. Um, so I've I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot in the past in the past year and a half. Um, and it's it's been amazing. It's been an amazing experience. It's gone it's gone well for us. The property market in Edinburgh is is ridiculous just now. Um, which has made it made life a bit easier for us. Um, but I'm constantly. I'm constantly learning as the journey goes on, and I, I and I will do for the rest of the rest of my career. I think it's funny. I again, I'm exactly the same. I have as many days where I think this was the best thing I've ever done, but I also have those days where I think I just want to get out. Yeah, I've made a huge mistake. You're in the pit, and it's it's that I want to unpick and explore a little bit in your experience. Hey everyone, we just want to say a huge thanks for tuning into this episode of The Men Who Talk and take a quick break from the conversation to remind you how you can access more information on our collective. Head to our website, www.themenwho.com, drop us an email at letstalkatthemenwho.com or check out our Instagram, at themenwho underscore, to see what we're up to. Together, it's our purpose to raise the power of sharing what's on our mind and make it easier for men everywhere to access their well-being potential. So why don't you join us on this lifelong journey? Thank you, and back to the show. When you're having those days and you're up against it and you think, I wish I'd never done this or I don't have the experience or I'm in a hole here, what part of mind, what part of your mind do you access to, to get you through that? Well, I think it's, for me personally, what I like to do is I like to kind of take a step back. And if that means going for a, going for a walk around the block or, or whatever, or, or going, going to the gym and just taking, taking myself away from that situation. And I think that that makes a massive massive difference 
Um, I've been in positions before where I've reacted based on how I'm feeling at the time, which maybe panic, maybe anger, maybe whatever, um, and and it doesn't work out well. So the way that I deal with it is I take myself away from the situation completely, and and just think and relax and breathe, um, and and I, that's helped a lot. And and I'd kind of advise that to anyone. It's it's not good reacting under emotion. I don't think sometimes, um, and by removing yourself from that, it. It makes a huge difference. It takes quite a lot of discipline to do that, though, doesn't it? It, it does. It does because you want to react quickly, um, but sometimes that's not the answer. Yeah. Um, but I, for me, I, th- I think at the start um, there was an element of imposter syndrome as well. Oh, big time! This is this is a whole topic in itself. But I would love to hear your yeah. experience of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I've never experienced before, to be honest with you. Um, and I kind of remember, I mean. There, there was days before we even launched the company and I was panic, panic mode. So I'm like, I can't do this. This isn't, uh, there's, there's no chance. I'm up, look at the, look at the companies I'm up against. They're huge. Um, and then the next day I wake up, I'm like, right, let's do this. Let's get, let's, let's go for it. And, um, I remember the, the first pitch I went on to, to win business and I was up against some of the biggest names there are, the biggest kind of competitors, um, in, in the industry here. Um, and I said, I think, what, what am I doing? I can't, I can't come up, go up against these people. Um, but I mean, ultimately, we we won the pitch, we won the business, and that's that's something. Where I, was, I looked back and I thought, why was I worried about this before? Um, but that that played a that played a big part in in the first the initial kind of few months, um, and then kind of confidence levels rise, and you kind of you work around that. And what what I've what I've learned now is that there's no point in focusing on other people. Mm-hmm. Focus on yourself. And that's what you can control. Um, because at the start, I was worried about competitors. I was worried about what they do, how they do it. But then I, I kind of realized that I'm doing this for a reason to, to kind of make it a little bit different, make yeah. the experience a little bit different for the, for the, for the client. So, um, yeah, I think that by, by not focusing on, on others is, has made a huge difference for that as well. Yeah. So I just want to dive into the imposter syndrome piece because it's it's something I've suffered from probably will forever. I think a lot of listeners will know exactly what we're talking about, know how we feel. Looking at your imposter syndrome, if you were to dial back, kind of dive into your past life, career-wise or educationally, where do you think it comes from? Good question. Because on the outside, and people say this about me as well, on the outside you look like you've got everything together. Yeah. The success of Revere, you know, to people who are looking from the outside in is, is fantastic you seem like the you seem like a happy guy with a waggy tail honestly if to borrow that phrase <laughs> yeah. right but we're we're obviously there's something inside that's that, that is holding you back yeah to an extent um where does it come from where's where's the trigger been in the past for that i mean i think it's look if you're if you're setting up a business or you're going into a new industry then there's always going to be that element of confidence um and if if there's a a shadow of a doubt that you can't do something and your mind can play tricks on you there um, and, and you're not confident going into that environment this is the first time I've set up a company so it's it's one of these one of these things where you overthink it and that's something that I'm probably quite bad at I overthink things um, and the more you overthink it the worse it gets and, and the panic sets in and then that's it it's, it's all let loose yeah. um, so I think to answer your question it's a, it's a confidence thing and you're, you're coming into a, a brand new world which you haven't experienced before you don't know what's going to be coming up, coming up in the next week, month, years you know so it's that element of not knowing yeah. as well um, 
and I probably had a lot of focus on on competitors at the start. And looking back now, the one thing I change is don't worry about it. Really? Kind of, yeah, I'd, I'd rather kind of focus on what I can do um, and what I can offer than what someone else can offer. Yeah. Because again, that's out with my control. Yeah, I suppose it, um, with with the benefit of eighteen months hindsight and success, it's it's easier to say that. But at the time, it's it's, it's extremely difficult now and impossible if you're a first time entrepreneur to have that mindset and say, don't focus on what's out there. Yeah. Have confidence in why you've gone into it, as you said, what you're offering that's different. Um, and I think that really only comes with experience. Yeah, you have to. For me, I kind of prepared as much as I could setting up the company and i've got a brilliant mentor my dad as well who who gave me a lot of guidance um along the way but i don't think you can really truly experience it until you're until you're in there yeah until you've got your hands dirty yeah i'm gonna ask about your dad in a minute because i was gonna ask about mentorship and i know he's been through a similar sort of entrepreneurial journey um before i do that looking at the flip side to imposter syndrome uh and again this is something i think quite deeply about is is ego okay so a lot of people will look at someone who sets up a business under their own name and say what, what role does ego play in there? Is there any part of you that worries that there is a uh, an egotistical motivation to this, or do you think it's just a healthy amount? Um, I, I think to to set up, you have to have you have to have an ego. You have to it's it's you're putting yourself into this. This is uh, you're the face of the company. You're the one running it, and I mean that's it's probably quite a important part to play. But I, I think you're right. I think you do ego has to play a part mm-hmm. i think in some sense and what i'm really keen to try and avoid in my own mind as much as anything in that that's not necessarily a bad thing we don't have to associate ego with being big-headed or, or a negative trait if we use it in the right way okay so i think there will be a lot of people out there that you know if you're putting quotes or pictures of yourself on your instagram for revere to try and promote the business some people will look at that and say look at it. you know he just wants to put photos of himself out there and look mm-hmm. at how successful i am um and I, th- I don't think that will ever not be a part of the way people are perceived in society, particularly entrepreneurs. But I do think ego, um, harnessed in the right way, is a core ingredient in setting up in the first place and having sustained success. It's something I grapple with quite hard. I mean, how much, how much of myself do I put out into the business, right, that I run to in the whiskey world? And the answer is I probably should put more out there of me because for the people that you truly want to engage with, your consumers, we know that people buy from people. Um, but there again, there's something holding me back saying, well, don't put too many pictures of yourself on Instagram. Don't talk about yourself too much because some people might think, you know, what a wanker. Yeah. And well, that scares me a little bit. Yeah, but you're you're completely spot on. Um, people buy into people and and you need to have that confidence to be able to do so. That's I mean, anyone, anyone who's setting up a company, they have to have that confidence. You have to be able to have that backing of yourself. You need to back yourself to do it mm-hmm. because what i've experienced is that no one else will if you don't um and yeah you do have to have ego but look you got a a good looking lad john you can get your face out as much as possible that's face for podcast uh, yeah (laughs) yeah this is filmed is it not no no (laughs) not um, that i know of but there might be a guy in the corner yeah um (laughs) but yeah you need to have you need to have that that confidence and you need to i i think that i'm probably not very good at it put myself out there that this is my first podcast I might be my last. I might. <laughs> I might do hundreds more. But it's um, it, it's something that I need to work on. Is is really putting myself out there a lot more, um, and and having that confidence in yourself, which like it, it takes time. It takes time to to build that up. Um, 
but I think with with any with any new start company, it's essential. Yeah, it's it's a constant tension, and I, what you've just described, I think, is healthy in that you do are on the side of should I be putting myself out there more? I think that's a healthy position to be in, rather than sort of questioning whether you should be putting yourself out there less. Yeah. But I think it, it is a necessary tension, and. I think it oscillates between the two two ends of the spectrum, you know. So you would have never set up in the first place if you were constantly stuck on the the imposter syndrome side. You know, there must have been a part of you on that day or on that early journey where you, you were erring towards the not the ego side, but the confidence side that that took you over that hurdle to press the button and say, right, we are now a company. We're going to put ourselves out there. Yeah, and it's it, it changed on a weekly basis. I would start one week as confident as you can be, and the next week I'm thinking, oh, what have I done here? Yeah. This is, this is a bad move. Um, but it's kind of overcoming that. And I think by by going through these kind of hurdles as you go along, by by rewarding yourself with achievements you've made on, yeah. the, on the timeline, then that's, that's a big way to do it. And I think taking a look back at what you've done in your journey and, and rewarding yourself on that is, is so important. Yeah. Um, and that's looking forward as well. It, it plays a massive part. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in there, and I do want. Before we end this part of the conversation, I do want to dive into some of your wisdom for for other listeners and okay. similar. This won't take long. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> um, but speaking of wisdom, you mentioned you know your, your dad, who has been on a, a similar and, and very successful entrepreneurial journey, is a mentor of yours, and yeah. I imagine he played a big role in you taking this journey. Um, just talk about the importance of the role he's playing in your life. Yeah, and. I think what's important to know is that setting up a business is it's a very lonely place. Um and by surrounding yourself with people um that have been through it before is 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 huge. Um and, and learning from them and, and as we said earlier, it's you're never really going to experience until until you've done it. And you can pre- prepare yourself as much as possible, but that's that's the facts. Yeah. Um so speaking with people like like my dad, um who who's been through the journey, um kind of numerous times um it's it's been really important and look we've dealt with things differently um or i've dealt with things differently than than what he would um, and and vice versa as well but it's important that if you're by yourself setting up um initially that you're you've got that support um and that you're that you are speaking to people mm-hmm. um I, I think at the start of of this journey i and i'm still working on it is my communication is pretty poor I'm pretty good today. Well, yeah, and I, I, I would, I, I would normally bottle things up, and that's that's probably the worst thing you can do, and that's yeah. it's something that I'm still working on. Um, just kind of being open and, and speaking to people, but mm-hmm. coming back to the kind of business side, I think by having that support network in place, and and what what I'm looking to do now, and what what I've, I've done for the past the past couple of years is is try to meet with a new person every week. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's. It's look. It might not benefit you. It, it might benefit you. There's there's interesting conversations that, to be had, but it's also about kind of sharing the experiences with with those people. Yeah. And it's what I try to do is meet people for, who are in different industries, different backgrounds, and kind of getting an idea of of how they managed what what they've done and, and kind of the journey they've gone through as well. Yeah. Um, and it's as I say, there there may not always be a reward, but look, you're at the same time as building your network, you're you're learning different kind of elements from different people. Just to take a minor segue from this, you're you're straying into territory of what the men who is exactly set up to do. Mm-hmm. Albeit we don't necessarily talk about business, but um it it's the act of talking. And talking to new people and getting new perspectives, which is exactly what you're doing just in a business context. Yeah. Even those conversations where you come away and 
consciously think, I haven't really got anything from that. I bet you there'll be nuggets that have gone and lodged themselves in your subconscious that will benefit you in the future. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's something that works for me. I mean, I I struggle with these networking events, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, because I find that sometimes they're quite forced and you're put in an environment where go speak to that person yeah. go speak to him have some cheap white wine yeah yeah have that cheap block of cheese over there i just end up sitting in the corner by myself just drinking <laughs> wine and cheese and eating cheese <laughs> um but that's that's something that i just i've tried it i've tried it and it doesn't work for me yeah. i just uh, networking events just they aren't they aren't i'm the same by the way yeah you're more of a more of a speed dating kind of guy that's <laughs> i mean i've been married for five years. <laughs> yeah, four yeah. years whoops oh jeez <laughs> I, I, I don't think she can hear cut that out um, <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. that's that's something which which I I love doing. I love I love kind of um, meeting new people. And um, there was actually it was a couple of weeks ago. There was I was driving down Lothian Road, and um, a guy ran in front of me, slammed the brakes on, and the guy I used to work with about I don't know about eight years ago. Um, oh. So I've not spoken to him in a in a while. And uh, so I drop him a drop him a message on LinkedIn saying I'll get you next time, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> he's he's he works in the property industry as well, but. Ended up meeting for a coffee, shared shared a lot of kind of stories about where we've been on since we since we worked together. Ended up uh, closing a deal with them the, oh, wow. the, the week after. Serendipity, so exactly. Yeah. So that's the uh, that that's the kind of. I mean, it may not always benefit you like that, but um, I think I think with a certainly with a place like Edinburgh, it's such a small place. So yeah. by meeting as many people as possible, it only it does well for yourself in terms of learning, but it also it completely grows your network. Yeah. And there's an advert for having efficient brakes on a car, right? Exactly. <laughs> you never know what it could look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, coming back to your dad, can you remember one piece of kind of guidance or wisdom or experience he shared with you that made the difference? Yeah, I think that when it came to to setting up, um, a lot of it's about structure as well. And like our minds work completely different from each other. So we react to different situations completely differently mm-hmm. um so i think in terms of having that structure um from from the start is is so important and making sure that your your projections are there your 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 pipelines in, in place as well um th- that was something that that i really didn't really focus on before um is looking forward yeah looking at the numbers um and he's very much a facts and figures kind of guy where i'm i'm not um so that 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 really helps um and kind of financially planning for for the future. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's something that was that wasn't something that I've having never run a company before. It's something that I've I've never had to do. Yeah. So what about the managing your mind through the through the ups and the downs? Did he was he able to share any wisdom for you there? Yeah, I mean, he he's obviously been been through a a, a completely different journey. Um, and we've we've had a chat, and there's been there's been times for him which has been struggle as well. Um, and kind of how you overcome that, mm-hmm. um, whether that's by taking time out, relaxing, kind of taking your mind off everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of think that we're both kind of tuned in the same way slightly. Um, where we find it difficult to turn off. Yeah. Um, so that's that's helped me a lot. And go, going back to what we said earlier, is just kind of taking yourself away from the situation from a while, taking yourself away from from your environment, um, and trying to turn off. Which gonna, is difficult. It is difficult. <clears throat> I'm going to share something with you and the listeners. I won't share the detail, but um, way before I started on this journey of mental well-being, way before I had the awareness of what it really was and how it affected me, uh, I remember reading something that your dad posted online about one of his experiences at 
well, outwardly looked like the pinnacle of his career, probably. So again, I won't go into detail, but he shared uh, an experience where he, by he had, you know, secured a big deal or sold a business for, you know, a decent sum. Um, and the, the nugget he shared was, he looked at a picture of himself and he looks back and he says, "I can see now that I was dead behind the eyes." Yeah. And that is, I'm. It stuck with me to the point that I'm bringing it up now. And I said, say that I read that way before I was on this journey, and I just thought that is. For someone as successful as he is to sit there and be able to share that outwardly, that will make a huge impact on a lot of people, as it has done for me. Do you remember that? I do. Old Dead Eyes, I think it was Old Dead the Eyes. title is what it was <laughs> called. Um, but yeah, that was that was obviously a, a, a big kind of milestone in his life. He's, he's done an amazing thing. And um, behind the scenes, it was, it was obviously very stressful times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kind of going back to what we said earlier is that you're not really kind of... I know for myself as well that you're not really aware of how you're feeling until much further down the line. Yeah. Um, and that goes for kind of anything like stress levels, kind of physically, mentally, whatever. Um, and, and that's something that he's obviously been aware of further down the line and probably a lot of the time as well. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing to look at as well because I can look back at pictures when I was in you know a a pretty unhealthy mental state thankfully for me it didn't last too long and I was able to work my way out of it but I look back at pictures that I know were taken during that time and I see exactly the same thing there's nothing behind my eyes I'm yeah I have dead eyes yeah and it's just an outward manifestation of of mental struggle that you probably can't notice in yourself or others unless you've experienced it yourself yeah yeah and i i think i've been i've been kind of very fortunate in terms that i've I've never really struggled mentally um i mean there's been there's been elements of of my journey where i've 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 been kind of stressed i've been anxieties kicked in the imposter syndrome which we talk about and and i i kind of think that by working on yourself firstly that that's that makes a huge difference yeah and and focusing on yourself and, and what you can do to to make you feel as, as best as you possibly can. Yeah, love it. It's been a it's been a brilliant journey to follow. I'm I'm so happy to see you be so successful and do something that is true to you and who you are and bring all that experience to to the front. So huge congratulations on Revere so far, and I'm sure you've got okay. a long way to go. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you might give me a valuation here, and we might. Yeah, we'll get this. We'll get this in the market tomorrow if you want. <laughs> well, there's a couple in the pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at the other side of the conversation. So we've we've kind of touched on this throughout the conversation so far, and that's going back to school. So again, to give the listeners a bit of context, you and I started the same school together in Edinburgh when we were five years old. Mm-hmm. You may have been four. Um, so we've we've been we have had a, bit, a lot of similarity in our journeys. We both stayed there until we left. So senior six, and we were what eighteen years old, and then we went out into the world, and we've. We've had sort of divergent journeys, but again, we've both left Edinburgh. We've both come back to Edinburgh. We've both started our own businesses. And here we are, you know, sitting, talking about something which is obviously really important to both of us, maintaining a healthy mind. But going back to school, I want to explore what our kind of joint experiences were there as pupils um, and just understand if and how that might have changed in, in today's world. I suppose the first question is, if you look back at your time at school, do you remember anything about mental well-being being on the curriculum the agenda it being spoken to you as a concept i don't think it was a thing was it i, I can't i can't i mean i can't remember uh, at any point sitting down with teachers or or whatever um and talking about our mental well-being 
and it's been a long time since we've been at school. Um, but that's kind of worrying, right? That's I'm the same. I cannot remember one instance, and this is no indication of the school. It's I think it's just yeah. schooling generally. I cannot remember one instance whereby it was brought up as a, a thing, a concept, something for you to think about. Yeah, and it's I mean it's a it's a difficult subject, right? And it's it's something that's probably quite important. I probably think that if I learned to be more open about my feelings back then, then that would have transitioned into adulthood mm-hmm. and it would have maybe completely changed who I, who I was as a person. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I remember at the time I think it was well, especially with my group of mates, it was you don't show emotions. You don't show like it's you just have a go at each other and it's and it was that's just the way it was. I mean, I, I think your your group of mates might be a bit different, a bit more open about your kind of feelings. Or? Not hugely. I mean, we were probably less vicious than you guys. But, probably, yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, that's it's still... A, a strong word, John. I'll <laughs> <laughs> well, come on to that. Um, but yeah, still, it's it's that culture of toxic masculinity. And what was the phrase you used earlier in Dubai? You you kill to eat. You eat what you kill. Eat what you kill. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could apply that in a, in a lot of instances to... Not that it was a toxic environment, because I suppose we were happy, and these are still our closest friends. Yeah, but they're, they're, that is the environment that school children can grow up in, isn't it? Yeah, but that was just the the way that it was. That's that's all. That's all we knew at the time. Yeah, I think. Um, so it wasn't out of the ordinary, and um, and yeah. we were the same, right? As, as individuals in that group, we were the same. Yeah, that's how we went about our day. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's. Um, I kind of look back on school and I don't think ever really being worried about anything. Um, I th- I think I probably just saw school as a bit of a, a bit of a fun camp. Yeah. Just somewhere, <laughs> just somewhere to go <laughs> hang out with your mates and, 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 and just, just have fun every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of transitioned from school into, into your adult life as well. I, I remember I left school, went into a rugby club and it was the same, it's the same setup. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, um, that's something where I, I probably haven't thought about it or thought about it at the time. But yeah, I mean, there's 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 something missing there. I think this is a massive reason why it does take um, men and women to get into their adult life, whether it's 20s, 30s, 40s, hopefully not any later, but and go through that journey themselves because you are carrying what you knew from school, which is all you know mm-hmm. as a young adolescent into your, into your adult life. And it's taken me years to shake off that... Um, feeling that I have to put my defences up and, and yeah. attack or I'll be attacked. I'll give you an example. You and I went on a stag do a few years ago and it was with your group of mates who, are, who I also consider my good mates. I yeah. love those guys so much. But I remember before I went having a little conversation with myself and say, right, um, I'm either going to get ripped <laughs> apart here or, or I do the ripping. And yeah. I went into that weekend <laughs> and I was on fire. We started around Amsterdam, I was on fire and I was, yeah. you know, I was taking guys down left, right and centre. And I, you know, I was bulletproof. But yeah. that's because I'd had that conversation with myself and I knew what I was going into. But actually, I reflect on that and think, I know these are all tough guys and they're used to it, but I'm sure there were things I said on that weekend that might have actually got through the armour and hurt people a little bit. Yeah, and I think that we've kind of learned to put that shield up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that, especially at school, I mean, we'd always be having a go at each other. And you just kind of learn just to bat it off. And that's, that's probably played a big part of, of who I am now as well. Um, I feel like I'm quite thick-skinned yeah. now, um, and it could have been completely different. It could have been. I mean, I, I'm it's a great bunch of mates, and I, I kind of feel now that as we get older, we are being more open, and it's 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 been a funny transition into that as well. That we're actually now starting to speak to each other about what's going on in our lives, mm-hmm. 
where before I couldn't tell you what my mates did for a job, you know? <laughs> so we're actually, rather than just talking absolute garbage for, for hours over a few pints, we're actually kind of starting to open up now and, and, and talk yeah. about what we do, what we've experienced and, and things. And it's, and it's nice. It's taken, it's taken 20 years to get there, but it's, uh, it's, 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 it's good. And it's like, I think just kind of, it might have just been, I don't know if school, how much schools have changed since, since we were there. Um, and if it is more of a topic now but yeah I think it is definitely something that should have been spoken about at the time and feeling that freedom to open up to people about about how you're feeling yeah from what I can tell it it is more of a, a topic and agenda something that is promoted but I don't know to what degree mm-hmm. so I'm still involved in a capacity with the school that we went to and I know just you know from speaking to some of the pupils there from speaking to some of the staff that it um, there, there's much more awareness around it and I suppose the school are putting in place infrastructure to enable it, Mm -hmm. which is fantastic. But again, coming back to our experience of it. So obviously, you know, very academically focused school, um, huge focus on sports, Mm -hmm. um, PE and stuff. But like, like we've both said, we can't remember any instances whereby the mind or cultivating a positive mind or being positively encouraged to speak about anything, any issues, um, in a structured way, the, was was a thing I, I i do remember on occasion teachers coming up and saying you know is everything okay um but that was very much an individual ability for them to pick up on it and offer an ear doing some thought about this in the lead up to this conversation i've i've, I've got a little idea of where we could get better okay okay again this is just based on my experience there's a lot of talk in modern media, modern culture about how we should be preparing kids at school to face more real life challenges. Okay. So how to manage your finances, um, how to get a mortgage, um, how to start a business potentially, you know, you wouldn't go into the details of it, but, but that is an option, right? And I think that would go a long way. I think that would be the step before truly putting in place sort of mental health or mental wellbeing aspects in the curriculum and i say that because when you come into adult life actually a lot of the things that cause you uncertainty anxiety depression are around money management are around big milestones like setting up a mortgage um how do you get on the property ladder which is a struggle these days for a lot of people so i think that's the first step is 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 in schools making it more about real life and equipping people with these skills a step on from that therefore i think is putting in place formal items in the curriculum or sort of extracurricular if it had to be around managing your mind so giving some education around at an appropriate level for school age children how the mind works um what anxiety is what depression is um and how you can proactively avoid it not well i think that's the wrong phase not proactively avoid it but how you can proactively maintain a healthy mind so whether this is talking about mindfulness whether it's kind of teaching meditation techniques to those that are interested in it um what the signals are for someone if if they're struggling how you can notice that in someone else um i think these things can all be built in and as i say i don't know whether the answer is to make them sort of mandatory as a maths lesson would be for example or whether to say for those that need it or for those that are interested in it here's how you access it i would love to go into schools today in, in edinburgh or anywhere else and understand what it is they're doing to achieve that with their pupils because i'm a firm believer through experience that the impact of that will last them a lifetime and they will be able to address challenges in their adult life with awareness that we never had i completely agree and i I think being able to 
kind of reach out to these schools and promote that mental well-being from that early age is something that completely passes through to your adult life um and it, it's it's so important now and it's 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 the good thing is that it's become much more of a topic and i know i mean we, we work at the kind of going away from the school thing a little bit for a second we um our office is at the WeWork uh, building on George Street, which is an amazing setup, lovely. And, and they do a lot in terms of um, mental well-being and, and promoting that as well. We'll have kind of rooftop yoga. We'll have, there's talking sessions. There's there's workouts up there as well. And it's it's bringing together a lot of people who um, may have necessarily not necessarily been involved in that before. And I think kind of bringing that kind of thing towards the schools where you're building the normality around it and normality around talking is, is so important and it, it really will kind of set set these kids up for life mm-hmm. and it's i mean as, as you say i don't know what the setup is in school i've got, I've got no kids i know i know what it is at um edinburgh city dogs where <laughs> my, my oldest goes but it's um yeah it's, it's a it's a really interesting topic and looking back now it's something which um i think would definitely have benefited me when during during my school journey yeah um i mean i've not used algebra since I left school, so maybe <laughs> I can't even spell it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe, maybe kind of implementing that. I mean, I'm not saying take algebra. I don't know what relevance it has, but it's, for uh, a specific subset of uh, talented individuals, I think it does, but not for yeah. the general population. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's um, uh, something like something like kind of focusing on on what I can do differently. Yeah. At that point, would would benefit me a lot. I'm quite impassioned about it, and particularly, you know, when I have these conversations, I just think. Why do we have to leave it to people to get to their 20s or 30s to work this out for themselves? Mm-hmm. What can we be doing early on? And I think this extends into the responsibilities of parenthood as well. Um, what can we be doing earlier on to make our kids aware that actually the, the, there are pitfalls, there are mental pitfalls, it won't all be happy school days with your mates. Um, but more important than that, what can we do to recognise them and preempt them or address them when they come up? Because, you know, I've said this on the podcast before, one of my biggest motivations, if not the biggest motivation for being part of a group like the men who is is to help them on their journeys. Um, obviously, I'm benefiting as an individual, but again, I, I know that they will go through challenges and troubles. I know they will experience ups and downs in their mental well-being. And I I want to be able to recognize in that in them, but, but help them on their journey. And that is the biggest motivation for me to be doing this. Yeah, and and it's something which I've been terrible at is, is opening up and, and communication. Um, and that might kind of stem back to to the school days. I, I don't know, but it's um, I, I think as long as you kind of recognise that and it's something that you work on, it's not it's not something that you can change overnight. It's something you can you kind of slowly open up to and, and gradually get better at. Um, and that's the important thing is is being aware of it, mm-hmm. being aware of that. And yeah, I think that if if it started off at school, um, then then that's that's the that's the kind of answer. Mm-hmm. Um. And like I say, with 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 my group of mates, anyway, it's it was very much like that at the start. We didn't talk about anything, but now now as we get older, um, and our lives kind of go down different paths, we we're definitely opening up about that a lot more now, and it's 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 great to see. Yeah. But it's taken twenty years. It has taken twenty years, but the main thing is that it's happened. Yeah. And that will benefit, you know, our <laughs> next generation that we're responsible for bringing into this world, alongside issues like sustainability. You know, I think it is equally important that we equip them with. Um, the ability to manage their own minds and those around them. Yeah, and I, I kind of think that it steps in the right direction. If you look at uh, the generation before us, you look at our parents, I, I don't think mental well-being was a thing. Certainly not in the public eye. No, no, and I, I don't think people kind of really would, 
that would be something they'd focus on. I think they'd just push through and be like, like we've said yeah. before, this is what life's supposed to be like. I'm supposed to feel shit at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Is that is that what it's all about? You know, feel shit for 50 years and then yeah. have a glorious retirement and then die? Yeah. Probably not. No. And, but, but it steps in the right direction. Um, I mean, it's probably taken a little bit longer than what, what it should, but it's, uh, I mean, I, I can only talk about my personal experience that I know what I'm doing is 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 helping me out massively, and it's it's an area where I, I probably didn't focus on before. Yeah, and it's um, it's it helps a lot. It helps a lot, but there's there's still a lot of areas which which we need to work on, and and that I need to work on personally. Um, and some things will come quicker than the others. Um, but but I think kind of for me, opening up and talking about things is something that I found very difficult before. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, it's, it's something that I'm I'm working on. Yeah. Well, the main thing is you're on the journey, like me. Yeah. I think it's a fascinating subject, and I'm, it's probably one of the first times I've had that conversation with anybody about going back to the school days and what existed and what could exist. But I'll put a call out now for anyone that's still listening. Um, if you are a teacher... Just my, just my mum. Just your mum. <laughs> All right, Craig's mum. <laughs> my mum too. Yeah. If you are a teacher or if you're involved in early years education, I'd love to invite someone onto the podcast and hear from you about what is being done in schools today to to help youngsters with um, mental well-being, managing their minds. Uh, I think it would be an enlightenment for me, but it would also be enlightening for a lot of people who listen. So please get in touch um, with the show notes through Instagram or email. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Um, Craig, let's move to round off the conversation and just kind of move back into the general mental well-being sphere. Thinking about everything you've been through, um, the challenges with work, the challenges with growing up in a fast-paced friendship environment, shall we say. If you had one piece of guidance for, I'm going to say deliberately right now, if you had some, one piece of guidance for someone your own age who came to you and said they were struggling a little bit, what would you say to them? Um, I, from my, from my kind of personal experience, I think one of the major things for me is, is overthinking. Um, and it's something that my wife picked up on a lot is that I completely go overthink and it's, it's, it's something that unless you can control it, you just need to step back and just not worry about it. It's, it's completely out with your control. So, I mean, my advice would be to don't, delve too much into something um kind of take a step back deep breath and, and see how you can control that situation and i know it's easier said than done um but that that's something which which i again i need to work on um what can you do if you're sitting there thinking i need to stop overthinking well you think more about it right <laughs> no but it's it's what do you well, it, if you're sitting down at your desk what what can you do in that moment to help you on to help you disengage well i mean if, it, if it's a if it's an issue that we're having if, it, if it's a problem which i'm i'm seriously stressing about then i think by just taking that step back and 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 just kind of looking at what you can do and and not worry about it too much because there's there's certain things in the past where there's been a problem i don't know with work with work and uh i'll think about it for days and it just it just makes things ten times worse. Yeah. Um, and I know it's it's easier said than done, but just I think kind of by by switching off, trying to switch off, doing something you enjoy doing for a few hours, going back to it later, then I think it, it makes a it's a huge difference. Yeah, trusting in the power of the mind to solve a problem when it's not actively thinking about it. No, well, I I only say that so um, efficiently because we've had this conversation before. But yeah, you you just have to put trust in the mind. Yeah, yeah, and it's easier said than done. 
It it's, I'm, I'm a massive overthinker. I'm a, I'm a hypochondriac as well. Um, and that good, good couple of years for you then. Oh yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. But it's, um, yeah, but it's, it's what it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to control, and and I think every, I'm still working it anyway, and yeah. it's just what works for you and how you can deal with with those certain situations better to overthink you're driving the first tee than a, a major business problem right well you always take the seven hour of the first tee anyway so it doesn't <laughs> <I> know <laughs> chip it chip it halfway yeah. down the fairway and then yeah. ping it off into the woods <laughs> well, i mean that's that's a good example though it's it's one of those things first tee nerves yeah. right and it's you've got three guys and a dog watching you and you're like oh this is going to go awful this is absolute panic and you end up duffing it and yeah. it's and it's that's that's a good example of what overthinking can do yeah, to you it's quite a good metaphor isn't it yeah for life yeah go easy on the first tee everyone um yeah. seven iron all time seven iron and then fall off my bike that's yeah. a little personal story that we'll share for another episode yeah yeah <laughs> um we'll close off with our, our little tradition which um as i always say is borrowed from the diary of a ceo podcast which is whereby um i want to ask you a question that our last guest left us uh, mm-hmm. that was simon who was on previously and then i want you to leave a question for our next guest. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question for you, I asked a minute ago, deliberately, what advice would you give to someone your own age? But the question from Simon was, what would you tell your younger self about managing your mental well-being as you grow into adulthood? If you could go back to school, see little Craig and say, you know, here's one thing to just hang on to for the next 20 years. I, I think what I'd probably say is don't concentrate too much about what other people think and what other people are doing. Because that's something that I did a lot, especially in my kind of earlier age. I ca- I cared too much about what people thought of me, and now I've realised that w- unless it's kind of close friends, family, whatever, um, then why does it matter what people what people care about you? And and that's something that I dwelled on a lot in in my early years. And I th- I think that would be the advice I give myself is that work work on yourself and and kind of don't focus on on others around you who who are not going to have an impact in your life. Love it. Perfect. Uh, that would be in my top three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> not sure what the one piece would be, but it'd be in my top three because it's yeah. been, been a big issue for me as well. Yeah. Do you have a question for our next guest? Who's the next guest? Have we got anyone lined up? Uh, provisionally, but I won't say just in case. Oh, it it's a big name. It's a big name. It's a big name. It's got 33 letters in their name. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so the question I'd ask on, I'd ask to your, to your next, next. Just start again. Um, the question that I would pass on to your next guest would be what daily steps are you taking to improve your mental well-being love it some more some more practical wisdom then to finish off the next podcast hopefully yeah brilliant mate it's been a massive pleasure i've loved diving into our our kind of shared youth actually and as i say it's not it's not something i do very often i do i dare say it's something that not a lot of people do mm-hmm. enough um and exploring this together so thank you for coming on I wish you every success with the future of revere and and your own personal journey with maintaining a healthy mind thank you very much and great to be here cheers mate cheers john thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the men who talk we really hope you've enjoyed the conversation as much as we did and can apply some of today's wisdom to your own mental well-being practices For more information on this episode or our collective, head to the show notes or visit our website, www.themenwho.com or head over to Instagram, at themenwho underscore. If you've found value in what we've been sharing, feel free to rate and review our show as it really helps us spread the word and reach more listeners. For now, keep talking, stay well, and be sure to join us next time for another episode 
of the men who talk.